Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Epic Field Report. Hey, Justin. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well, Matt. Thanks for having me. You bet. What market are you in, Justin? Uh, We're in the Texas market. So we're based out of Houston, uh, but we work all over Texas and uh, in Alabama. Super. All right. So you got got kind of a big territory. I noticed... um, in our follow through Friday inside of the Epic private, uh, the private Facebook group that we've got um, last Friday, you got lease to purchase sale, $8,000 in Florida, lease to purchase sale, 8,100 in El Paso. You purchased a home last Sunday, now having a highest bidder sale this weekend, uh, crossing the fingers in, in Texas and then learning to raise more private money, looking forward to reading more wins. Um, super. So thanks for sharing. And I just curious, let's pick out one of these deals. Which one was your favorite of that week? Oh, probably the the highest bidder sale. Uh, the highest bidder sale. Okay, yeah. let's talk about that. How did you find that deal? Uh, we're we're part of a mastermind group, and it was a lady on uh, fortunate circumstance. Um, her husband her husband had passed away uh, in November, so he had three three assets that he needed to uh, divest. They needed to get rid of get rid of his estate, and so this one needed quite a bit of work. Needed about sixty seven k in rehab. Um, she owed about forty eight on it. We got it for for sixty, mm-hmm. and, and then just tried a highest bidder sale. Um, one of my partners, both my partners, they were um, they've done some highest bidder sales in the past, and so we took a chance on this one since our contractor was going to be about two to three weeks out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so time is money, couldn't wait, and yeah, we had a two day highest bidder sale from two to four on Sweet. Saturday, two to five on Sunday. Everybody wrote their bid down on Sunday. And called everybody back and gave everybody another opportunity. And I think by seven thirty that night, we had uh, we had sold it for one hundred and two thousand. Sweet, congrats! So yeah. you found the deal was basically a referral. Correct. Okay, yeah. so you found the referral, and then your planned exit strategy was to flip it and use this higher bidder strategy. Can you explain to me a little bit how that process works for you guys? Uh, yeah. So in that sense, it was you know obviously. We got it under contract, bought the property, closed on it, and then we, you know, did a ton of marketing, um, hit our market, flyers. We had a bunch of people passing some things out on that end, a lot of social media. And we're hoping, hey, let's uh, let's give it a whirl. We haven't done this one for my partners haven't done this one for probably five or six years. They haven't done a highest bidder sale. And and basically it's not really it's live, but it's not because you've given everybody an opportunity. To once the bidding closes at five, there were 16 people that bidded, and now we were able to just call them all back and say, "Hey, the bid's at 85 now. Would you like to increase your bid? Yep, to 90, and then just kind of continued from there." Got it. 
Got it. So are you doing this virtually or are you doing this like on the front lawn of the property? Yeah, we were doing this right in the front lawn and then in the okay. property on this particular one. Correct. So you had all 16 people standing on the lawn? No, we just oh. called them back. There was actually three people, three people that bidded. They were stick, they stuck around. Um, so they kind of watched the process a bit. It was their first time. Um, but then they ended up backing out around that 85 mark. So we had four other people on the line, basically. And within a half an hour, we we had it uh, we had it sold. The individual brought it up to 102, and everybody. The second person I was bidding with was about 101, and so they they handed it back. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So you purchased it for what was it 86? You said 60. 60, and you sold it for 101. 102. 102. This was a good day, yeah. That was a great day. It's <laughs> fantastic. So uh, your biggest lesson learned in this transaction would be? You know what? It was nerve wracking because you're, we're holding on to the property. We put some money into it, you know, cleaned it out, um, got rid of the carpets, had a nice, you know, smell, basically doing an open house just on wholesaling side of it. But biggest lesson learned probably let's find another deal and uh, see how quick they can actually go. Right. They work. Mm-hmm. You know, that's awesome. That's awesome. How do you plan on celebrating? Uh, <laughs> my one partner, they got, a, they got a couple little kids. So we're actually going to go to a water park here before we fly back to Canada. So <laughs> that's fantastic. I noticed that you sounded like my friends in Fargo. I was like, how did you end up in Texas? <laughs> uh, my wife, my wife had a good job opportunity. She's an engineer. And so we love traveling around and, uh, yeah, she took the job opportunity here in Houston and awesome. get out of the rat race and jumped into this real estate gig full time. Perfect. Well, congratulations on your success. Thanks for sharing with us. And if you need anything, let us know. All right. Excellent. Perfect, Matt. Appreciate it. And uh, look forward to working with you here. Perfect. Have a good day. You too. Bye. This is Terrio Media. Yo. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. You didn't know, homeboy, we got the cash flow. Hey, welcome to the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. Got another fantastic episode of Mastermind Monday for you. As the feedback comes in, I've seen how much you're enjoying these and that I'm seeing the downloads spike on these episodes. I keep on doing them. I keep on digging in my contact database into my Rolodex and pulling out my best favorite friends, my most accomplished real estate investors, and uh, share them with you, introduce them to you. And, you know, as a mastermind goes, as you put two minds into one room, a third mind is, is created and you put three people in and that's fourth and fifth. It just kind of expands exponentially. We never know what we're going to get. So we're just going to dive into it. I'm going to introduce you to, uh, to my friends today. Scott, go ahead. You can start. Uh, what market are you in? What does your business look like? Hey, Matt. Uh, man, yeah, I am in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, I've been doing real estate for about eight years and then doing uh, my primary business is wholesaling. So last year we did 150 deals and have a team of about 16 people and it's a competitive market here. So that's me, my man. Yeah. Well, you seem like you are the competition with 150 deals. <laughs> Texas is big, man. <laughs> Congrats. Congrats. Yeah, everything's bigger in Texas, right? <laughs> Brandon. Yeah, so I'm here in Tampa, uh, working in the Tampa market and uh, a little northwest, uh, West Pasco. Been in real estate about 12 years. Uh, got in like many uh, seminar uh, attendees, all right? Attended a bunch of free courses, free uh, weekend workshops, bought a bunch of courses. Uh, and um, it was not a good time for me to be learning the business. Uh, did I ignored all the advice of don't use your own cash or credit uh, when the market was high. 
And uh, so we went about 250,000 in debts and uh, I started a different business and let the whole, you know, recession kind of carry out. And uh, three years ago, decided to get back into business, into real estate. Our other business was doing really well and we were looking for other ways to leverage that extra income. And uh, funny enough, I started listening to some podcasts. Matt, yours was one of the first ones I listened to. And I always appreciated the, the honest, real-time uh, advice that you were giving and the guests that you would have on the show. So it's, it's an honor to be here. But um, yeah, it was uh, three years ago. We just started uh, marketing, wholesaling, and doing about 50, 50 deals a year right now and scaling up. Awesome. Good. Glad you guys are here. You know, the most popular question that we've been asking lately or on this, this series is, you know, what's your best source of off-market deals at the moment? And it doesn't matter, like, if, if, if the market is up or if the market is down, that seems to be everyone's question. Like, how are you finding your deals? So I'm going to extend that question to you guys as well. Scott, what's your best source of off-market deals? Yeah, so I've been, uh, just like you, uh, Matt, been talking with a lot of people, and they're having to kind of grow that strategy and uh, I think for most of the people who have a two, three, four man team, um, you know, they, they're a lot more agile and flexible. You have to be because uh, it's so competitive out there. And if you want to have an increase in uh, revenue, profitability, you know, you got to get there first. And so for us, uh, man, we, we were the direct mail kings. I think I was doing 150,000 pieces and then we actually stopped a couple months ago. But the most consistent um, lead source that we've had for the last three years is radio. And so we've got to a point where we've perfected that um, and gotten to a really good return rate on that. And so just to kind of give an example, we spend about 35 to 40K a month per month on just radio. Got it. Hey, so I'm curious. So you've done a ton, a huge volume of direct mail, and now you're doing a, a pretty large volume of radio. Are you noticing a difference in the demographic that you're talking to? You know, uh, a little bit, you know, because the, the radio stations, you can really narrow it down on the type of person who actually listens to that station. So, you know, I, I'll be careful. But for us, it's always the person who's a little bit older and tired, and they're always in a distressed situation. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know how music really lends a hand to that, but, you know, <laughs> I don't know, maybe rap music, who knows, but, uh, <laughs> hey, I'm a 50 year old hip hop fan now. So, you know, I don't think a lot of those guys own houses. I don't know who knows, but, uh, I know R and B is, is a, is a real key one for us. Uh, but I think the older crowd that has, um, kind of a, a distressed property that's been neglected has usually been kind of our aim and target. Got it. Yeah. I was just curious. That question was inspired by just the way society is the different ways they consume their information and their media these days. I was wondering if there was a difference there on uh, who's responding. So cool. So are you sending people, um, so you've got a 30 second, 60 second spot, something like that? Yeah, we have a 30 second spot and our call to action, Matt, on that is just a phone call. A phone call? So whenever you get radio, it's a different type of marketing. I know in direct mail, it's like you don't want your company name there. Uh, but with radio, it's a little bit more of a sophisticated uh, marketing piece. So we decide to actually brand ourselves and our, our company is called My Home Soul. So, you know, if they don't call the number, then they can pretty much equate the, the website pretty quickly. Sweet. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, we haven't had that answer yet. So congrats with your success on that. And thanks for sharing. Brandon, your best source of off-market deals at the moment. 
Uh, still sticking with the fundamentals of uh, direct mail and um, and bandit signs. Love love bandit signs. Is there anything that you're doing differently now than you were doing, say, six months or 12 months ago with those? No, I tested other things. I tested, you know, the ugly postcards, the final notice, uh, all that, which got a lot of uh, a lot of calls, but not a lot of leads mm-hmm. uh, for us anyway, with our, you know, three man setup. Um, so I just went back to what worked for me in the beginning, which was just a, a seven postcard series with a yellow letter and very conversational, very direct. Hey, I'm, you know, I'm local. I'm in the area. I want to buy the house. Mm-hmm. want to sell, give me a call. Um, and, and those have been working well. And the bandit signs still, it's the I buy houses or we buy houses. Uh, <laughs> I tried the, you know, divorce foreclosure behind on payments. I've tested all these messages and, um, keeping it simple for, for those bandit signs is definitely what works. Got it. With your, with your postcard and you've got this seven postcard sequence, is it branded marketing? It's very personal. No, very personal. Yep. Do they know it's at least coming from the same person or do they think it's coming from a different source this time? Uh, Aside from the letter, the letter we send uh, from a realtor, Mm -hmm. you know, one of our partners. And aside from that, every other meal piece is, you know, just Brandon wants to buy your house. If you're interested, he's looking for rental properties, give him a call. Sweet. Awesome. Cool. So Scott, what trend are you seeing in your business or market that has you maybe a little bit concerned and how is it changing the way you're operating? Right. Great question. Um, you know, I think for us, uh, you know, I'd say last year we, we'd always say ABC, which is always be closing. Uh, this year will always be changing. And so, you know, some of the things that weren't profitable this year, we had to really stay on top of. And so, um, you know, I think for us, you know, I think we're obviously not the same numbers as we were last year. And so we're really trying to make sure that our, our golden ratio is still there in the sense of dollar per dollar return on marketing. And so, you know, uh, that's why we had to stop doing direct mail. Um, it just, you know, it was barely profitable. So, you know, I think a good rule of business, if it's not profitable over a little bit of time, stop it. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, we have to be able to kind of, in order to get ahead, we have to be able to do things that other people aren't willing to do. And uh, it has to be profitable, though. Uh, I remember one guy was saying, hey, I'll always outspend them on marketing, and that's a little bit of our mentality, but we want to make sure it actually really makes sense not numerically, right? Are we actually truly making money? And mm-hmm. so uh, it's just a, a lens. We just had to cut out a lot of the BS and just say, hey, let's increase profitability. Let's do a couple more flips than we usually would do, being more creative. Um, you know, we got to squeeze out the last bit of that, that profitability out of the deal. Got it. So to summarize, you're noticing changes in the response rate of your marketing, not getting the big return that you you were once accustomed to. And so now you're just kind of open-minded and keeping your eye on the bottom line. Is that pretty fair? Yeah. You got to adjust just because um, you got it last year doesn't mean you're going to get it this year. You have to constantly be adjusting. So be more creative. Got it. Cool. Brandon, what trend are you seeing in your business or the market that has you concerned maybe? And how is it changing the way you're operating? 
Yeah, so the only concern, I mean, for the last three years, we've noticed that the the holiday season, which we're about to head into, typically slows down, uh, certainly for our buyers, maybe not necessarily for the sellers, but, um, you know, a lot of our, our buyers are on vacation or traveling or just not paying as much attention to the, the notifications when we send out deals. Mm-hmm. Uh, that also has me excited because last year we just kind of dealt with it. Um, maybe even participated a little bit, just took our foot off the gas. And this year I'm excited to really, uh, do things a little bit more unique, uh, spend more and take advantage. Um, our buyers list is obviously stronger than it was last year and the year before. So, uh, I don't have any worries about not being able to, um, you know, to sell. Right. Yeah. What I'm most excited about is even though this market is very competitive and higher, when we find deals now, uh, we, everyone else is in the same boat. So we're, we're finding buyers now who are willing to spend more than the typical local buyer. And so we're, we're just squeezing every bit out of each deal. And, you know, even six months ago, we weren't able to get some of the prices that we were in, we are now. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yeah. Before we start recording, we were talking about the, the, the coming months and how a lot of people kind of wind down and take take December off. And and I was sharing with you that, you know, Mercedes and I, for the last almost 10 years now, we've, we've always had our biggest month in December. And I think it's, yeah, the activity slows down, but I think um, the, the buying and selling activity comes, comes down, particularly with the sellers. But the, the competition for investors, I mean, that really slows down. So I think it disproportionately slows down to a point where it's actually a competitive advantage to keep going full steam ahead in, in December. And then maybe take January off, right, when everyone else is coming back. But, uh, yeah, highly encourage it. It's about time to start that message again here on, on our podcast as well. Uh, Scott, what system or technology have you implemented in the last 12 months that's had the biggest impact on your business? Right. I, uh, I'm a little bit out of the day-to-day. Uh, Technology is really not my strong suit. Um, but I think one of the things uh, that's really kind of kept my team together and really tight um, is uh, just a basic app called WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have 16 people, everyone's virtual. And so for us to kind of keep building up that, that um, camaraderie and communication, um, we had someone that really kind of leads as a social czar, that platform. And so really kind of keeps us uh, up to date, keeps us encouraging one another, uh, keeps us engaged. And so we really utilize that. Like I'm looking at my phone now, I've got like 39 messages just on WhatsApp. We're celebrating something and then we're probably making fun of somebody. So uh, got it. Yeah. 39 Yes, yeah, uh, you're going to have some work, work to do. That's good. <laughs> yeah, we use Voxer here, so I think they work similarly. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's when your inbox fills up uh, it, it's so fast and, and even text messaging, text messaging now can get kind of cluttered um, just to know that you've got an important message that you need to get back to in a certain or a different uh, platform like that. It's been very helpful for us. So, cool. Thanks for sharing that. Um, Brandon, what system or technology have you implemented in the last 12 months that's had the biggest impact on your business? Yeah. So, you know, I love systems in, in my marketing business. I love automation, anything. I mean, that's why I love real estate. It's, mm-hmm. it's how we leverage, right? Leverage is just beautiful. And um, so I have tried a lot of different systems, CRMs, uh, software for marketing. And what has been a game changer for me since, uh, I'm not sure if I shared it previously, but since kind of stepping back into the acquisition 
role, um, you know, with just a small team, I'm wearing acquisitions hat, I'm wearing dispositions hat, sometimes I'm wearing transaction coordinator hat, you know, uh, it's a lot to manage. And when you have a lot of leads coming in, um, a good CRM that isn't just fill in the blanks, but has like a checklist, like a flight checklist. I don't, I never, I don't even have to think about what the next step is for a contact that I don't have an address on or an address that I don't have, you know, other information on every step of the way. Um, this, uh, CRM investor PO, um, has, has me covered and all of my automation changes based on that. All the automated text mm-hmm. message, voicemails, everything. Awesome. Um, so there's some good ones out there. I know you have one as well. You use in your business. It doesn't matter what the tool is, but if you have a tool that, um, that, that automates your follow-up, that's just huge. Keeps you organized. Yes. Um, and then we use property list manager from the same company to help, uh, keep our mailing list organized. Cause I used to just have a bunch of spreadsheets that I couldn't keep track of when I bought what and what I mailed to and what I didn't. That's been really helpful. And then uh, we just added outbound cold calling. Uh, so skip tracing the whole direct mail list. And we use call tools for that, which has been, which has been pretty awesome. Sweet. That's a bunch of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> the technology guy. Uh, uh, biggest mistake, Scott, that you've made this year. And what did you learn from it? Yeah. Uh, I think for us, it was definitely... Um, Still pushing marketing dollars when there was a dip um, in our our uh, market, and so last year was just gangbusters. This year, beginning of winter, everything just kind of froze. And I was wondering, hey, is that something internal? Is that something external? Um, and so a lot of it for us is just really watching the numbers like a hawk on those, you know, you were saying in that everything ebbs and flows. And for some reason, um, that thing ebbs in winter and, you know, that hasn't been the traditional sense in the last three or four winters for us. And so just kind of really caught us off guard. So really know the numbers, know your spend and, uh, know your contracts coming in. You got to be able to forecast like the sun of again, you got to be able to watch the significant trends. Mm-hmm. So for us, we've spent this year watching that like a hawk. And so if something adjusts, we have to adjust with it. Don't, you know, just, I hate to say it. I used to say, hey, we'll just spend more money. Uh, that's sometimes not the right answer. And no, I want it to be, it's just not. So it was just really watching the numbers and season that you're in and making sure you're not losing your shirt. Sure. Yeah. When it comes to marketing, there, there's no limit to what you can spend. You can spend as much as you want, right? Brandon. What's the biggest mistake that you've made this year and what did you learn from it? Biggest mistake for me has been uh, tra- hiring and training. Mm. Absolutely. Um, it, it is real estate. Uh, getting back in three years ago came fairly easy to me, just having a sales and marketing background. Um, and I just assumed, all right, I, I, I've been able to do this on part-time weekends. Our first year we did it. 14 deals while I had a, a one-year-old and a two-year-old. And I was like, heck, if I can juggle all this, anyone with uh, decent sales skills can. And without uh, that kids. Wasn't, <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> without kids. Right. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I just kind of set it and forget it. I just put a person in a seat and turned up the marketing and wasn't seeing the sales and conversions. And I know a big portion of that was that I wasn't investing in them. I wasn't out in the field with them. 
Uh, I wasn't on the calls supporting them and, and training them. And uh, that has, that's been my biggest learning lesson. And I'm, now that I have another person in that seat who I'm, I don't care if we're putting out signs or cleaning out a house, I'm, I'm willing to do uh, anything that I ask him to do, I'm willing to do myself and alongside of him. So that's, that's the biggest growth uh, area for me. Good lesson. Yeah. Invest in the people that you work with, right? Uh, Scott, let's flip the script. What was your biggest win this year and what did you learn from it? Oh man, you know what? Uh, biggest win is definitely kind of a book that we read. It's called Anti-Fragile. And you know what? Um, when you go through a hard season, Mm-hmm. Um, it really tests um, a lot of things internally, externally, philosophically, what, you know, you really believe in by the end of the day, right? Are you going to fold up shop or are you going to get stronger off of that huge challenge or that season that you have? And so we've been able to say, hey, look, you know, one of our values is ABC, always be changing and changing in the right direction. And so we've had to change some, a lot of things this, this year because uh, it was a mistake to think that we can just copy and paste this year from last year. And so uh, for us, it's knowing that uh, uh, we can change. And uh, the best thing about my business is my team, without a doubt. They mm-hmm. are strong. And so, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to wait for a downturn. Uh, I'd rather be proactive. And so... Uh, I think I just walk out of that tough early winter saying, hey, our team is strong. They'll figure it out. That's nice. So your biggest mistake ended up kind of being your biggest win as well, it seems like. Absolutely. Anti-fragile. If we were fragile, we would have. I would have lost people. I would have hid the truth. And I would have, uh, you know, either fired or, or succumbed to worry, whatever it is. Um, right. You, know, you got to say, hey, we got to get ahead of this, if anything. Sure. Well, congrats, dude, for coming through that and coming out with the right lesson, right? There's a, the silver lining. Super. Brandon, what's your biggest win this year and what did you learn from it? Biggest win? Um, I don't know if this is a win, but just, just stepping back into that acquisition seat, almost having to start over again was humbling and uh, made made me tighten up some systems, made me tighten up some of the, the marketing and uh, made me, I'd say, a little bit more. It's good to see change and then the consistent payoff of it. It's one thing to see it in your mind. All right, I'm gonna, I know I need to fix this. I need to change that. I need to be more consistent in that. And then when a plan comes together, it's just uh, beautiful. So, I mean, it, it's the combination of, you know, getting a better CRM, getting back to some of the marketing that we were doing, um, being uh, more, uh, like I said earlier, just investing more in uh, the new team members and and just doing the work and mm-hmm. seeing the payoff. It's been got it. So the theme, blessing in disguise, I guess, right? True, true, yeah. Kind of showed up for both of you that way. I get it. And uh, again, like I, I see people like bad mouth real estate because, you know, we were educators as well. So we interact with people that are getting into real estate for the first time. And then people that have, have previous experience and, Oh, I'll never try that again. And, you know, when, when you make those mistakes as we're all going to do as entrepreneurs, we're all going to make that as business owners and, and particularly real estate investors or any type of investor, you're going to make mistakes. You're not going to get it right every time, but to walk away from those experiences with the right lesson rather than the wrong lesson of quitting and never doing that again. Right. 
So I think that that's really, uh, that's what I just learned from you guys and sharing. And I think that's really important for people. Um, Scott, what's, what's in your future that has you most excited and why? Yeah, two things, man. Um, I think uh, our team has, has really uh, risen to the occasion of having to change and innovate to, um, you know, keep growing the wholesale side of the business. And so I feel like that's a very stable side of, of, of just one of the businesses I have. But the other two for me, um, because that's stable, it's given me the ability to grow something else. And the other two things is uh, my business partner and I have just been holding more properties right now in Mexico, looking to just kind of uh, set up a fund uh, internationally. And then the second thing is uh, last year we started a kind of a unique mastermind. I know there's a lot out there, uh, but man, we really uh, put a lot of time and energy and uh, passion into that. And so uh, the name of that's called the Multipliers Mastermind. And uh, the next one's next year. And so we just have one a year uh, on, a, on a huge beach house in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, those things are really a more of a passion project. I love wholesaling. Let me say, I like wholesaling. I don't love it. It's just always been a stepping stone for us. Mm-hmm. Good. You know, a frequent question that I get is, you know, what's the first step you would take? Or if you had to start all over again, what's the first thing you would do? And, and I was, I, I think looking back, I think being very intentional about creating your environment, I think is so important before you take any action whatsoever. And, and I think, you know, if I had known about masterminds when I got started, I think uh, I would have started there because <laughs> right. look and see the, the ROI on that type of association of like-minded people. Cause you know, doing all we do, it can be a very lonely business. I was just, I was just talking to my mom. We had a little, we had to put out a fire yesterday and it was, you know, and it kind of bummed me out for the day, but it's really hard to find people that can empathize with you. Right. Cause when you're making a lot of money and you, and you have this appearance of success and something goes bad for you, like, you know, it's hard to find sympathy. It's hard to find understanding from your network, you know? And, and so, yeah. And, and then just, all the good stuff that comes out of the mastermind sessions uh, and the mastermind meeting. So congrats. And what was the name of the the mastermind again? Yeah. Let me give it again. It's called the multipliersmastermind.com. Okay. So if people uh, wanted to learn more about it, that's where they would go. The multipliersmastermind.com. Yeah. Check it out. Check out the site or if they want to just connect, uh, probably the simplest way is just to connect with me over Facebook and just basically my name, just befriend me. Got it. Super. Congratulations on that. I wish you the best of luck. And coincidentally, I'm just noticing that I met both of you two in a mastermind. So that's why we're here as well. So let's go. Yeah. Yeah, Brandon, what's in your future and has you most excited and why? Uh, For real estate, what I'm most excited about is um, some kind of some strategic alliances that we've set up in our in our area. You know, we say it all the time. Real estate's a people business um, in a very real way and connecting with some some big buyers, some big uh, wholesalers. And, um, we've got some really great relationships that we've been, um, we've been doing some cool, cool stuff with, uh, selling some of our properties, even joint venturing on some rehabs. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about growing a a portfolio of, um, some rental properties slowly with a lot of the creative financing stuff that I enjoy. Uh, but all of that is just a vehicle, right? Real estate is is just a vehicle. I enjoy helping homeowners. I actually do enjoy the deal making side of it, um, but I don't I don't love it, right? It's not my passion. It's not my calling. 
working with my wife has been one of those unique things that uh, people are always, I'm sure just like you and Mercedes, always asking like, how do you do it? And, you know, I could never work with my spouse. And so uh, two years ago, we started our own podcast called uh, Ride or Die. It's kind of the attitude that we live by. And I'm very excited for uh, our book that we'll be launching. That's all about how to communicate, work together, because what do we do all of this for, right? We do it for our families. We do it for our community. And if you make a bunch of money, but then you walk through your front door and you don't have that same amount of wealth, uh, that can be really challenging for entrepreneurs. So we're, we're looking to help, you know, save entrepreneurs' marriages, which uh, the divorce rate is actually higher for entrepreneurs than it is for the average Joe, which makes mm-hmm. no sense because we're the ones that right. have the most control of our future, you know? That's awesome. I think that's something that's very needed, uh, you know, through our turnkey business. The most people that, that get to talk to Mercedes, like they'll, they'll take that next step if they're genuinely ready to, to do it. And but the people that don't is really where the, those that can't get on the same page with their spouse. And it's really sad that they just have two different opinions or views of how they want to build that wealth for themselves, and and they just can't find the common meeting ground. Right. So. Congrats on the book. I mean, gosh, if I think I had to write that book, I'd say keep getting divorced till you find the right one. But uh, <laughs> I'm sure your book is going to have much more practical advice than my book would have. So I'm glad someone took it on, someone that knows better than I do. Uh, super. It's been a pleasure, guys. Um, let's connect. There's a lot of other stuff that you guys said there. We're kind of limited on time today, but there was a lot of stuff in there that I think we could touch back on. We talked about the creative strategies and, and the always changing and the different time, trying the different types of stuff. I'd love to know what types of different types of uh, stuff that you're trying, Scott. So let's do this. Let's make a, a commitment here. We'll do this a once or twice more a year. Does that sound good? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Wow. Cool. All right. I started to think, what if you guys say no? <laughs> oh, that sounded like. <laughs> anyway, um, perfect. So thanks for participating in this episode of Mastermind Monday. I will see you next week for another episode of Epic Real Estate Investing. And uh, if you want to do deals, you want to build wealth, then stay right here. We're here seven days a week. If you want to go fast, go to reiace.com. All right. So to your success, God bless. I'm Matt Terrio, living the dream. Yo. Take care. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. Uh, yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. You didn't know, homeboy, we got the cash flow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.